Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vince. And I'm Ashley. And we are the lead pastors of the Outlet Community Church. And wherever you are in the world, our heart is to add value to your life. That's right. Whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's a topic in the Bible, whether it's a life skill that you're looking to develop and hone in on, allow us to be an outlet for you. Yes, and our prayer is that wherever you are, whether you're right here in service or you're out in the world in the nation, listen, our prayer is that God meets you right where you are. We all have needs, we all have things, but our God is able and he's able to bless you and get you where you need to be. We have hundreds of hours of digital content that is available for you to consume yes. free of charge. Freely we receive, freely we want to give <laughs> it back to you. So make it a point to check out our page, check out our website at the yeah. Outlet Community. Dot com and you'll be able to find countless hours of videos, podcasts, and other material to help you grow in your walk with God. Hey, if you like some of the content, like, subscribe, share it, and we'd love that. <laughs> See your family and friends. So open up your heart and get ready to receive all that God has for you. time that as a church I am doing an in-depth study on the Holy Spirit and I will be dealing with the doctrine of the Trinity I'll be dealing with how the Holy Spirit works how he operates I'll be answering questions for you all is the Holy Spirit still for today does the Holy Spirit still work today uh, dealing with you know what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit what does it mean to speak with other tongues um, and ultimately, we are going to allow and get out of the way and let God have his way in our times together. I believe that what you all will experience, and uh, just as I've been praying about this time and covering these next eight weeks in prayer, what I've seen is, of course, this current style of lecturing that will go forth. But ultimately, what we will begin to see as our faith rises in this place is you will begin to see demonstrations of Holy Spirit that are unexplainable to the natural person. God still desires to heal. God still desires to set free. Uh, God didn't send Jesus to die on the cross for us to live a boring, miserable, non-fulfilling existence. He, uh, and we'll see here, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, I am so full and ready to go. But you will see that he has given us his Holy Spirit to maximize all of our days in this life. And he knew what you'd face before you'd face it, but he gave you the answer to whatever you were facing way ahead of time. But the greater good outside of the lectures and the demonstrations of Holy Spirit as we get together is when you leave this place, you will have a real life opportunity in real moment time that Holy Spirit will begin to utilize what you do every single day, but in a greater way to minister God's love and his care, his concern, and his grace toward others. I am so excited because I see us eight weeks from now, uh, and it's only going to be the beginning of what God wants to do in this place. 
I can tell you all in my own personal life that the only reason I am where I am, the only reason I'm able to do what I'm doing today is only because of the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. I am not as smart as I look. Hey, whoa. (laughs) I really am not. I am not as strategic as I may seem. I just have blind obedience to the leading, the peace of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's helped me in every area of my life. It's helped me in money decisions. It's helped me in relationship decisions. It's helped me in church decisions. It's helped me in business decisions. Every area of my life. And that is why Holy Spirit is one of the most fought individuals in the church. Denominations are created because they differ on who is the Holy Spirit and how does he work. And so I had to understand from my own upbringing and and my own catechism or learning, um, what I did in preparation for this study was act like I don't know anything about the Holy Spirit and let the Word of God tell me who he is. And I am so excited because he's even better than I thought he was. Come on, Holy Spirit's better then you think he is. And uh, whew, God, I feel like this fire shut up in my bones. I need to, I'm trying to stay calm because when God gives you the end from the beginning, you're just so excited. You, you, you see naturally what's going on. Like right now, I, I saw a whole mixed, uh, just, just responses today because I could just see uh, just the different things that are going on in, in your life. You just, you just feel kind of dejected. You really don't necessarily, you're, you're here, but you're not, not really here. And I see others just trying to figure things out. And uh, there, there is a reality on the other side of what you're, you're sitting in right now, that if you could just push past this feeling, you will see the reality of all that God wants to be in your life. Amen. All right. All right. I, I didn't set this up. And I need to give y'all some Bible. So John 14, John 14, and our text is John 14 verses 12 through 17. And before we read, um, I just want to set this context to John chapter 14. Um, Jesus knows that less than 24 hours remain before his death, and perhaps less than six until his arrest. And so the 11 men sharing his last meal are his dearest friends and more. They are the core of those who will carry on his mission when Jesus is gone. In these few hours, Jesus sets aside his own anguish in order to prepare his team for his departure. These final discourses contain some of Jesus' most profound teaching. And so with that being said, we're going to pick up in John 14 and 12. Really, this conversation begins in John chapter 13, and it ends at the end of John 17. And so If you do further reading, you can go back to John 13 and John 17 and see this as all one conversation. In the composition of the Bible, the chapters and verses were not placed there in real time as Jesus was talking. He was not in John 13 said, hold on, I'm ending John 13. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. He did not do that. It was one continual conversation. And in order for us to be able to find where the words are in this holy and beautiful text, later on there were chapters and verses that were placed in. So go back, read John 13 all the way to John 17, but for the sake of our discourse, we will be reading John 14, 12 through 17. Verse 12, 
Jesus is saying here, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works. Someone say greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask any, for anything in my name. Someone say, ask for anything. That's some real, real stuff right there. And he says, I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything. Someone say, ask me for anything. And he says, and I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. Now, his commandments were commandments of loving one another. And he said, because this is going to be a tall task, verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The word advocate there is the Greek word paraclete. We will come back to paraclete in the next week or two and flesh that out. Another paraclete, another advocate who will never leave you. Someone say, 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 never, ever. Ever, ever? Y'all good. Y'all good. I want you all to understand what we're reading already. I'm just reading the actual words that are inside of the Word of God. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And he says, I'm going to give you the paraclete who will never leave you. How different is that from our interpretation of how Holy Spirit operates? He said, never. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So if he said it, he's obligated by his word to do it. And he said, never. I'll come back to that. Verse 17. Who is the paraclete? He is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a thing. Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He is fully God. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world. Culture, society cannot receive him because it is even looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Someone say, I know him. No, it's by faith. Someone say, I know him. Oh, yes, you do. I know him because he lives with you now and later, and we'll get to why he said this in a couple of weeks, later will be in you. The title of this series that we are going to be starting is called Spiritology. Spiritology, and today is simply an introduction. I have got more notes than the law should allow. I'm not going to do all of them today. I am simply going to whet your appetite to be here for the next eight weeks. And if you can't be here in person, then you can be here online. But it is no reason except for laziness that you do not get all eight weeks and someone says, amen. All right. What you all will notice from me is I'm starting to really lock in into who God has called me to be. And the biggest thing I care about more than anything else in this world is that you grow spiritually, period. I'm about raising up leaders. I do not want you dependent on me 
or anyone else to get you the word that you need when you need a word. I want to teach you how to study the Bible for yourself and how to have a thriving relationship with God without me. Why is that? I have been on the barbecue grill this summer and have thoroughly enjoyed it because I have realized barbecuing, the technology that comes with it, has evolved over time. In fact, this was the first year, and fellas and ladies, do not judge me because I'm trying to get better. I have discovered that the way I was taught how to barbecue was the archaic way of barbecuing. And it took my father-in-law showing me that I was working harder on getting a fire started than I had to. You see, the way I was taught how to barbecue is you go get the white bag with the blue on it and you saturate all the coals, but you got to bring them together. You got to saturate the coals. You got to let that sit until it dries in the coals, sometimes 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how those coals absorb. Depending, sometimes I get the budget coals, don't judge me, how they absorb. But my father-in-law taught me about match-lit coals. I didn't have to bunch all the coals together in order to start a fire. In fact, wherever I laid the coals in all four of the channels of my grill, whatever the coals were lit, a fire started there. And the Lord said, that's how we've been doing church. You've been telling folks, y'all need to show up in one location and catch the fire of God and then go out. And so church's uh, terminology and verbiage has always been, come join us, come join us, come join us. And when we get in our conferences and our pastor's studies and we're talking about what we're doing, we're only measuring the success of our churches. How much are people coming and joining us? What are our numbers looking like? How many people you got serving inside the building? Although getting together is still important, it's biblical, although serving in your local church and not just sitting there consuming, coming in and leaving out, you, you know what I'm saying? Although we should serve, that is not the end goal for the life of the believer. If I can teach you how to start a fire all by yourself, you don't need to come here to think and have a moment of how good God has been to you. You get, you know, just every, every so often, if you just think like, God, you've been good, you, you get like a little, little jerk, like, like whoa, like, hold on. Don't, don't play with it. I, I, I know what you did for me, Lord. I know how you've been there. I know how you've shown me the way. I know how you got me out of some tight situations. So you know what? I don't even need all this music. I don't even need the pastor to get up and teach a good little message. I can have a party all by myself. So when you get a whole bunch of folk like that together, can you imagine the environment that we create by just getting together? Let me, let me break it all the way down because some of y'all are looking at me like I, 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 got, a, I got three, four heads right now. Let me, let me break it. Let me, let, me, let me get so real with you right now. Y'all remember in your before Christ days, there was a party that you had to go to later on in the night. 
but you had some time to burn by yourself. There's an art that I heard. There's an art that I heard called pre-gaming. Where I'm not going to get toe up, but I'm going to be just enough that when I get to the party, I can get toe up. Spiritual pre-gaming is every single day of your life, you're thinking about how good God has been to you. See, I still got to go to work. I still got to function. But don't let me get around some crazy folk who God's been that good to as well, because we're going to cut up. We're going to go back and forth on how good God has been to us. And if you've got breath inside of your body, if you, can, if you came in here today, if you pulled this message up, God has brought you out of some stuff that you shouldn't have made it out of. God has healed your body before. God has set you free from things that were supposed to take you. I just need somebody who had a little pregame before we got in. I ain't pregame this morning. I got soul in the spirit. I got, I, I've, I've, I've been praying at least an hour already today for, for today. I told Gabe when I showed up at church, I said, I, I, this is the most locked in I have ever been because the Holy Ghost is so good. In the book of Acts, what made the message of the gospel so appealing? They saw the Holy Spirit in operation on the lives of ordinary men and women. And people said, are these people drunk? Peter, who was so timid, so scared, so shy, he said, they aren't drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost. If God has been good to you, it's going to show. You're going to have a light. You're going to have a glow, but Satan wants to keep you down and keep you sad and keep reminding you of all the ways he's lost before. Hear me? All the ways he's lost before. So if Satan is talking in your ear, he's telling you all the times he's lost because that time that he's bringing back to your mind, that time's supposed to take you out, but you're still here. That time was supposed to end you, but you're still here. So, this is simply an introduction. So, in theological spaces, this study of spiritology could also be called pneumatology. And pneumatology refers to a particular discipline within Christian theology that focuses on the study of the Holy Spirit. The term is derived from the Greek word pneuma, which designates breath or spirit and metaphor, metaphorically describes a non-material being or influence. In essence, when you got born again, it was more than when I have you raise your hand and say, would you like Jesus to come into your life? That is one of the most miraculous things that takes place in here. Because in that moment that you accept Jesus for the very first time, he breathes into your spirit 
the breath of life, eternal life. Someone in that moment where all they had to do was simply say, I accept Jesus. They go from eternal death, hell, and the grave to eternal life. And God's spirit comes into them at that moment. But spiritual growth is a lot like natural growth. And so when a person becomes born again in these settings, in these moments, they are an infant spiritually. And if you know anything about infants, although within them are all the organs or all the things that they'll need, it takes time to grow and to develop. And so we have to grow and develop in our understanding and our knowledge of Holy Spirit. And the more you understand the role, the person, the ministry, the work of the Holy Spirit, the faster you grow spiritually. Because spiritual growth is, can be boiled down into this one statement. Do what the Bible says. The end. That's it. That's spiritual growth. And God gave you his spirit to help you do what the Bible says. Period. But today, in our introduction to spiritology, we're going to have what's called an open house. Anybody familiar at the beginning of a course or beginning of a school year, there's open house? I talked with uh, an administrator who's been in the public school system for about 20 years, and I said, what makes a good open house? They said a good open house simply has an overview, established, an establishing clear and concise messaging to the audience, um, and expect, about expectations of, and the vision and mission of what's to come. And so in John 14 and 12, we see Jesus doing just that. He's establishing clear and concise messaging to his audience. It's not only the disciples that he's speaking to, but the disciples that will be made from the disciples that he's speaking to. So that continues to this day because we are all given the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples. And so he's setting the expectation. He's giving you a clear mission. He's giving you a clear vision for what is to come. And so I just want to give you the four areas or the four topics that we're going to be covering over the next eight weeks. The first one, and just want to set these expectations, is we're going to talk about kingdom collaboration between God and man because this has always been God's plan from the beginning. This life where there is nothing stopping you from an intimate relationship with God was God's plan from the very start of creation. But man got in the way of what God was ultimately trying to do. And I'm going to show you that this is from the beginning. The second area or topic that we will cover within our eight weeks is, who is the Holy Spirit? And how will we work together? Who is the Holy Spirit? And how will we work together? We will then progress to the Holy Spirit within. And the Holy Spirit comes to fill us so that we could display godly character. Very important because the fourth and final topic that we'll cover to close out this series is the Holy Spirit upon, which is for service. Now, what is the difference between, and I don't want to get too far into this, with Holy Spirit within and Holy Spirit upon? In, in, in the quickest form, because I could go Old Testament and bring you New Testament, don't have time today to do that. The way I can say it is 
Have you all ever seen someone whose character was extremely flawed, but they were exceptionally good at what they did, and they happened to be a Christian? Yeah, most times people think that because you're standing up here or you're singing on the praise team or you're singing in the choir or you're usher on the usher board, you know, senior usher board, mother usher board, whatever usher board that you have, uh, whatever it is, people think that automatically those are perfect people. They think the pastor, how could you do that? You're the pastor. You're supposed to be perfect. No. We have the Holy Spirit upon because God loves the people that we're serving. So that gift and calling is without repentance. That's why you have people with low character being used heavily by God because God will deal with that person, but he loves his people too much to have them to suffer. The greater good when we get, when we're able to be born again according to the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit can come within. And this has higher priority that from good character, you love people well. So you can bless people with your gift and your service and end up in eternity not having all that you could have, although you did great things. In fact, Matthew 25, where there are people saying, Lord, Lord. But you say, be cast into outer darkness. Why? Because you never knew me. So there are people who can be extremely used by God, but they didn't allow the transforming work of Holy Spirit within to grow their character up. And so I believe in what I hold our church to. I value character over everything else. I want our church to do what is right even when others do what is wrong. Because if you change your character because of what somebody does to you, you've given that person way too much power. You do what is right because that is the right thing to do. And Holy Spirit will enable you to do what is right because that was what his assignment was in the earth to do. Jude 1, 21, keeping you in the love of God, knowing how much you're loved by God, but then keeping you focused on how much God loves you so that you can love others well in spite of how they act. Show me a mature person, and I'll show you a person who walks in the love of God. And that's why Jesus said, after, if you love me, keep my commandments. His commandment was the golden rule, treat others the way I've loved you. He then said, and I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost because you're going to need it because folks going to try it. <laughs> All right. Now, the second aspect about this open house that I want to show you is not only are we setting clear expectations, but we need to open the house of our heart to understand that in our heart, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Really quickly, go to Acts 7, 48. I'm only going to read this one scripture um, in Acts 7, 48, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Acts 7, 48, it says, however, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. Well, why is that? Go with me now 
I said Acts 7, 48. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. I know, like I just was about to get to Acts, Lord. Just keep on going now. <laughs> and come on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. So we want to set expectations, but I want you to begin opening your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to have more operation and demonstration in your life. Most people refuse to allow God to work because they want to remain in the illusion of control of their own life. Control is a result of fear. When you truly submit to Holy Spirit, he will ask you to do things your mind doesn't understand. You don't need understanding to obey. You will get understanding after you obey. But the longer you don't obey, you delay yourself where you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Let me come home real quick. But the person who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. Now let me get real real. Verse 18. Y'all didn't think I was going to talk about it, did you? Run from sexual sin. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, I thought that was what teenagers did. And I found out, y'all old ones, y'all the... And the older you get, let me tell you, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to help you with a tip in sexual health, all right, I know, like I did not come to church for that, <laughs> stick to the Bible, what well, it says, <laughs> see there's so many questions about Sex. What is sex? What technically is not a sin with sex? Is it sex if? Let me tell you something. Running from sexual sin does not mean entertaining the temptation of it. Whether you're heterosexual, whether you have attractions to the same sex, whether you have attractions to all sexes. Running from sexual sin is not only a heterosexual requirement. That is a human requirement. So the goal is not to have people sleeping with opposite genders. The goal is to honor God whatever season or phase you're in with your body. That's the goal. Purity is the goal. So I have to say this because this specifically says run. What does run look like? Not, I'm going to just sit here for a second. 
I'm going to come inside. I'm going to sit on the sofa. I'm only going. And when I, and then, oops, there goes my shirt up over my head. Oh, my. Let me tell you, you win 100% of the fights you don't get in. You're not going to overcome temptation compromising with it. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how much you read the Bible. I don't care how much you pray. You put yourself in a situation that you know is a situation, let me tell you, nine times out of eight. And if y'all don't quit looking at me, like, I don't know what I'm talking about because I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thought I was just going to give a cute little, this is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> no. Holy Spirit tell you, don't you go in there. Tonight ain't the night. Let me tell you right now, no, you had a long week. And you're looking for somebody to put your fire out. You know. So the Bible says, Y'all need to get somebody saved up here. All right, so for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Why is that? Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Who lives in you? Now, I'm not talking to people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit is not inside of somebody who has not accepted Jesus Christ. I'm talking to church folk. Because we have a tendency sometimes to be a little nasty. But saved. Mm-mm. Holy Spirit will help you live ethically better, not because of what someone else told you, but because of what your heart told you is the right thing to do. Integrity is integrity no matter what. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? I'm going to leave you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit picking with y'all, but I'm going to ask one more question. If I were to come home and live with you for the next week, what would change about your day-to-day -day interactions and decisions? Now, don't say nothing. I don't want you to incriminate yourself. Just look straight ahead and just... But with that answer, that is how much you are dishonoring God who always is in you. And we saw in John 14, he said he's never going to do what? He will never leave. So he is right there the whole time. So if we can get our 
churches to be more God-focused than sin-focused, you will, by the grace of God, Govern yourselves according to Scripture. But as long as you're trying to find a technicality with sin, you're always going to be a habitual line stepper and more times than not fall into areas you said you don't want to keep doing. And I'll end with this. At the end of verse 19 in 1 Corinthians 6 says, You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20, for God bought you with a high price. How much is something worth? What someone was willing to pay for it. Many of you value shoes, purses, property, cars. Whatever it is that you value, When you spend money for something that is of high value, you treat it right. When you understand your worth, when you understand how much was paid for you. Yeah, but but I got all this baggage. I got all these bruises all these dents, scratches, none of them change your worth because of what was paid for, what you were paid for. And that was the blood of Jesus. Stand to your feet today. Stand to your feet. My, oh my. I didn't even finish the introduction. Amen. Amen. We're still going to be in the open house when we come back next week. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll actually be able to get into kingdom collaboration next week, but it's time to clean house right now. That was what I was sent on assignment for. Time to clean up these temples. <laughs> I noticed this, this, this pulling, I, I sensed from the Lord happened this summer. He just pulled me higher. He said, come on, you got you to get higher. You got to go, go deeper. The law of the lid, if I don't grow, nobody else grows. So I'm, I'm pulled higher. No questions about it. But the more God began to examine areas in me that just weren't right, as a leader, I began to demand that same thing in those that I was following. You see, if I'm, if I'm not progressing in my walk with God, I will allow you to stay where you are because I'm comfortable. But I'm not comfortable anymore, y'all. I'm on the water. And I'm pulling y'all on the water too. Because on the water, it's far more peace there. On the water, there's far more joy there. On the water, there's far more love there. And on the water, there's far more trust and dependence on the Lord there. Because I can't go back if I want it. Into your hands, O Lord, commit my life to thee. Isaiah 6 
here I am, Lord. Send me. When I close my eyes, I see what God wants to do here. In the coming days. But he's calling all of us to make room for what he wants to do next. Every day I pull up on this property, I see, okay, Lord, I see what, I see, I understand why we're here. And it gets more and more real. But the commitment now is to you. Because we can't do everything that God has called us to do without your buy-in. And I don't want to get to heaven and say, well, Lord, I almost. Well, Lord, we could have. When it's time for our last breath and we close our eyes, when I wake up, I want to hear, well done. Thank you for being a good steward of all that I entrusted to you. I want that for you too. So we can close our eyes in this moment.